0: Hello and welcome to Under the Gun, the pop culture podcast that doesn't waste your time. My name is Cal and I am here with my wonderful co-host Daniel. Today we will be talking about a modern cult classic, a movie that failed at the box office but rose up like a digital phoenix. Today we will be discussing Blade Runner 2049. Hello Daniel. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. Hey, no problem. Daniel, my first question, why didn't it work at the time?
1: I believe at the time it came out and it had a big theatrical release and had a lot of marketing push behind it. And, you know, the name Blade Runner in the years since the original's release has become somewhat embedded in pop culture. Most people are aware at least of the name Blade Runner. So it got a lot of people interested in it. But then when they went to see it, it was actually a very slow paced and very thought provoking methodical movie instead of the sort of bombastic action movie. I think a lot of people suspected it to be.
0: Exactly. I really liked what you told me another time that you put Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling on a movie poster and they're both holding guns and there's orange and there's teal and it looks like it's going to be an action movie. It looks like it's going to give you your fix. you just come out of Transformers Dark of the Moon. (laughs) You have about the IQ of a potato. Maybe that's a little cruel. And you're like Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah and it's not what you expected at all.
1: Yes, definitely. Also, it's runtime didn't help it. You know, a lot of people, if they're like, hey, you want to go out to see a movie this afternoon? And then you see, oh, this one's three hours long, (laughs) then less people are inclined to just, you know, go and do that. It's more of a commitment.
0: I also think it's very unconventional in its narrative structure. It pulls the rug out from underneath you. It gets you to care about things and then switches it on its head. It gets you to care about characters who aren't traditionally likable in some ways, and then it wraps it up in a beautiful way, but not the way you would have expected. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. It definitely
1: subverts a lot of the traditional tropes, especially for action movies. You think it's going to be, you know, your classic story about the downtrodden hero becoming the unlikely chosen one to lead the world, and then turns out he really was just nobody. But in a way,
0: that really does have its merits.
1: No, for sure. I think it's one of the movie's best strengths. It's just one of those things where it expects something from you as well as the audience.
0: Here, here to that. I would say another thing that this movie does is it makes you do more work than your average blockbuster does. It asks you to put together pieces, find the emotion in it, and relate to the characters, all without holding your hand in the way some other blockbusters do.
1: Most definitely. It's a lot more subtle than a lot of movies that you see with a release of its type.
0: Well put. Okay. Let's move on to the next question, Daniel. In your opinion, why is it a cult classic?
1: Well, I think amusingly, pretty much all of the reasons we stated there for why it didn't succeed is why it's a cult classic now. A movie with this kind of budget set in a complete sci-fi world, and especially one with so much star power behind it, it doesn't doesn't happen very often, you know? This kind of huge scale epic sci-fi, but which focuses on moral quandaries and the questions about humanity is just something you don't see and so i think for people who were looking for that and also especially for fans of the original it really provided them with just what they were looking for
0: i completely agree with all of that its slowness its moodiness the haunting tone of it is something that you really can return to many times as well I think that's something that really all cult classics share in common is the fact that they are good on rewatches. Yes,
1: I would definitely agree with you there. I think because it requires something of the audience, you need to be paying attention, it wants you to think about it, and it wants you to take your own opinions on a lot of it it's allowed, as you said, people, you know, can watch it many times and still find enjoyment out of it. And I think one of the other reasons, as we briefly touched on earlier, with the original having such a large cult following nowadays and being considered such a classic, the fact that this sequel sticks as close as it does to the original meant it already had an immediate cult following of people who loved the original because a lot of people who liked the original also liked
0: this one. True that. I would like to also say this film succeeds because it speaks to a lot of cultural issues that millennials and Gen Z feel. Mm, For sure. Feelings of isolation, feelings of unimportance, feelings of hopelessness, and the soul-sucking nature of the digital world.
1: Definitely. It captures that feeling of trying to take genuine human experience and then bottle it and sell it to the
0: populace. Okay. Daniel. Number three, favorite technical aspects. I think we can both agree that this is an incredibly beautiful movie. What were some things that stood out to you?
1: I mean, the most obvious one has to be the colors. It's use of just these really strong, bright primary colors and often theming its locations around a single color. It's really interesting having the bright blues of the city and then having the bright orange of Las Vegas. It's so stylistic in the way it portrays things. It's really refreshing compared to some of the more boring gray palettes. That we see in a lot of modern movies to have something this bold and bright, very cool.
0: The gold color of Jared Leto's office.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. With the water caustics on the walls. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Oh, so
0: beautiful. I also love how cold the junkyard scenes seem. Mm, I don't know how yeah. they do it, but those just seem so barren and hopeless. It becomes beautiful through that. Definitely. One of my favorite technical aspects of the movie is the miniatures. The cityscapes are just incredible. I think you could
1: extend that to just the special effects in general. True,
0: true. The miniatures, though. I don't know if this is something that I would have caught without seeing behind-the-scenes footage, but watching that and then seeing the texture of every building, it just totally makes sense, and it's so cool. I love the cityscapes. For me, that's one of the draws. Most definitely,
1: yeah. I think the general practical and tactile nature of how much the special effects was done with real props or miniatures, as you said, is really something that I think should be applauded. Having every gun and device and costume and being real physical objects and in a lot of cases having real functionality as well, like the eye scanners for the replicants, they really shone lights and had little displays built into them that would show a video of an eyeball when they did it. Or having the device that the uh, woman uses to create the memories was a real actual thing they built with motors in it, so she had to learn which button would turn which dial so she could do it while delivering her dialogue. it was
0: part of her performance.
1: For sure, yeah. I think that's something that's so lacking nowadays with how good virtual effects have gotten. A lot of people just don't even bother with practical effects, but I think there's really something amazing about it.
0: I completely agree. I would also like to say that love and everything about her character Oh, it's one of it my definitely. favorite technical aspects. Yeah, the performances
1: in general. Oh, amazing.
0: For sure. For To me, Love is one of the most terrifying villains in any movie. Definitely. And she is just great every time she's on screen. I don't know if we'll have time to mention it, but
1: I also wanted to say that the soundtrack is, in my eyes, definitely one of the highlights of the movie. It's huge, industrial, epic sound to it that somehow is just as alienating as the setting I found worked so perfectly for like the city shots of Kay and his spinner flying over the city with these just huge industrial sounds almost, just these walls of sound they put over it I found was really affecting and really just enhanced these images they were able to put on
0: the screen. To me, it almost sounds like the waves of some huge, horrible, mechanical ocean. Something that's a great way to describe it—rust and gears just flowing over itself. That's what it sounds like to me. Definitely
1: a highlight for me,
0: Daniel. If you could, what would you change about it? I think
1: some very small nitpicky details about the plot I might change. There's a couple things which, upon further investigation, don't exactly line up or make too much sense if you think about it too hard. I personally found they were never enough to take away from it, and I didn't even really think about a lot of them my the first time through, but why do they have to take Deckard off the planet? They've clearly shown that Wallace doesn't really care about laws, so why would he have to go somewhere else where the laws are different? Or, you know, not really mentioning the Replicant Uprising before it shows up. Just some very small details Mm -hmm. like that. I don't think they take down the overall experience, but I feel like maybe with one or two small rewrites to some of those elements might have improved it.
0: I hear you on that one. There's some ideas that come up rather suddenly within it that aren't introduced earlier for sure. That are, and and this movie, the immersion in it is so wonderful and complete that having those little bits that kinda make you go, Oh, wait, kind of take away from that element. Yeah. A but little it's bit. a great movie regardless. Definitely, yeah. I think also
1: with the plot I'd mention Well, I personally don't really have a problem with Wallace in it. I feel like they could have either done more or done less with them. I would have liked to either have had him developed a bit more to where he really felt like more of a villain that you either really hated or at least was really threatening, or they totally could have written it as well where he didn't even ever show up in person. He was more just an entity that existed out in the world. Like you knew love worked for him and you saw the giant building on the sky eyeline but they also could have you never even had to actually see him
0: that's really cool i hear you love is a strong enough force within the movie. yeah like she's a great villain yeah it almost yeah.
1: feels like maybe they didn't need him or alternatively that they could have just written him in a bit stronger to make him more of a villain you cared about mm-hmm.
0: it would have been interesting to just have that being a corporation a faceless sort of entity that's pursuing the main characters and love is kind of their envoy yeah, but not ever seeing them, just being like, oh, yeah. the, the the board, yeah, the chairman, like, the yeah, because you know, I they think, want it.
1: yeah, the original Blade Runner works very well without really having an antagonist. You know, everyone's sort of gray in it, so it never really has one specific antagonistic force they're working against. And I feel, you know, they probably could have pulled off something similar if they wanted.
0: Very well said, Daniel. To close up our show, is it a cult classic for you? I would personally say most
1: definitely. And while I might get some hate for this, I actually prefer it to the original.
0: Yeah, I went there. He did it. (laughs) I can definitely see it. Even if I'm not there with you 100%, it's a wonderful movie.
1: Yeah, I find, for me at least, maybe it's something about the generation I grew up in, maybe it's just something about my taste in films, but I find it just grabs me emotionally in a way that the original one doesn't quite do. And while I still consider it a masterpiece and a classic, I find there's something about Kay's journey and about the look and feel and sound of this movie, which just, for me, is
0: like nothing else, and I love it for that. Bravo. For me, personally, definitely a cult classic. I love the message of being able to do good whoever you are and that you shouldn't wait to be deemed the chosen one or given an inciting incident for your future. You just have to go for it and you have to do what's right. You have to try and do good in this world and be the best person that you can be regardless of how insignificant you are. And I also think that it's just an amazingly well done movie that sticks to an aesthetic, a world, a style. A sense of place and a sense of time and just create something that you can keep coming back to and keep enjoying i think it's definitely a cult classic and i'm really glad that the internet has given it such a good second life yeah i'm just glad it got made daniel i want to thank you for joining me today
1: for sure happy to be on the show